Welcome to the Soccer Podcast, where we talk soccer in Delaware, soccer in the rest of the world, and everything in between. My name is Sebastian, and this week I'm joined here by Dwayne. Sebastian, back on East Coast time. Uh, back on back Zoom. Kansas City. Back on back, Zoom, yeah. Back from Kansas City. Um, what a great, what a great week. What a great event. Uh, yeah. What an interesting city Kansas City was. Uh, Kansas City only comes alive on Fridays. Fridays. Yeah, we don't know if Saturdays because we weren't there Saturday night. Well, but... if we were close to the stadium, it probably well, no, they played on Sunday, but I bet you if we were closer to Arrowhead, definitely is yeah. very lively down there. Yeah, so no, we're we're back. Uh, a lot of really good interviews um that will come out in the coming weeks. Uh today we we have a different interview. We have a, a well, I guess we can call it live. I mean, we we just interviewed him. So it'll Yeah, it'll it's a live interview. No, um, no archival interviews no. yet. No, but but those will come out. Those will come out in the next coming weeks. Um, it was really exciting. We got to meet a, a lot of really cool people. We are interviewing some really cool people that we didn't get to interview at the convention. We're going to be interviewing in the next coming weeks as well. So that'll be that'll be a lot of fun. So twenty twenty two, really really looking up as far as a D soccer podcast. Yeah, sponsored by Luis Barrios, right? Yeah, yeah. Big shout, out, big to shout out to Luis for big uh, shout out to Luis. Yeah, absolutely. For a lot of the sessions he went to, he was able to get that presenter to come down to our podcast. We were able to interview him on the spot. Yeah, that's so, right. Yeah. No, big shout out to Luis for sure. Luis might have won the MVP that of the convention of <laughs> just coming home with free stuff and scoring interviews. You almost need three more bags just to be able to get home. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So make sure you follow us on on Instagram at de soccer podcast uh make sure you follow us there and also on our delaware union social media facebook.com slash delaware union on instagram at delaware union soccer and on twitter at de union soccer rec registration is open so make sure you go check that out uh delaware discovery union. registration is open discovery check registration that is out. Open. yeah that's right um travel registration is open <laughs> yeah, travel registration is open all the registrations are open uh diamonds tryouts uh february 12th from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. in Middletown Village. Make sure you check us out on Facebook and on Instagram at DE Union Diamonds. Come play on our UWS2 team. Absolutely. I'm looking for high school players, college players, college players, retired players. Depends on how retired you are. Right? Yeah. Yeah. If you're a former player and you still want to, you still want to kick it. Gotta come try out first. We're, yeah. we're not going off of accolades that you yeah. ripped it up in Delaware back in the day. We, we want to see what you can do now. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, come come check us out on the diamonds. Uh, we can announce one more player today. Uh, we want to welcome back who she was also already announced on social media, but we want to make sure we, we give a shout out to her. Uh, welcome back to Megan Rigsby. Uh, well, welcome back as in welcome back to that wearing Delaware Union kit. Uh but welcome to the Diamonds, Megan Rigsby. Megan Rigsby is coming to us from uh, Dell State. Uh, so she is going to be joining us this summer. We're excited to, to have Megan. Megan's a player that I've known for a long time and is going to be able to play in the middle of the field in the back line. Um, super strong, a lot of personality, uh, high work ethic when it comes to training and playing. Uh, so she's going to be a player that's going to make a huge impact from the beginning. Um, so we're, when we talk about character, um, we're talking about people that we want to have on the team. M- Megan checks all those boxes. So we're excited to have Megan on the on the roster for next year. So if you want to be announced, make sure you uh, right. register for those tryouts. Yeah, that's right. All right, Dwayne, uh, we have a guest today because we feel like we needed to bring in a, a parent from our club into in to talk to us. Well, actually, no, it's a coach of our club. Right, that we brought in. He's got a lot of titles. Well, no, actually, no. He's not only a coach; he's also um, one of the like biggest college coaches in our state. Right, like just success, complete. Like, just talk about a program that's just really, really successful. So, I mean, Nick Papa Nicholas is on the podcast with us. Nick, do you what do you you want to talk about? You as a parent of our club, you as a coach in our club, or you as the coach of uh, the Wilmington men's program? I'm I'm up for anything you guys want to talk about. Whatever it is, all three. We, you know, we always wear a ton of hats as a uh, as coaches, right? So, uh, but it I'm is all, fun. All the above. Gotta gotta be honest with you. It is pretty fun to watch to uh, go out to Silver Lake in the morning for the Discovery program and watch Nick just set up his chair, uh, 
<laughs> just Incog- incognito at that, right? He's incognito. got Tempolo and hey, we've got a big game against, you know, the number five team in the country or the region today, but we'll just be a dad first. So I'm just there to cheer on my kid. That's it. That's it. I don't, I, I stay quiet. I just want to, I'm there to clap. I, I, you know, I do enough coaching at the collegiate level. I don't, I don't just want my kid to have fun. That's all. There you go. All right. Uh, well, so Nick, let's talk about the Wilmington season. Uh, how did it go in 2021 coming off of uh, the COVID year, which for Wilmington was tough because you guys couldn't do anything. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. 2020 was obviously very difficult as it was for everybody, but for us specifically, we didn't even play in, in the spring. Our conference played, but we were one of, I believe four schools that did not play in the spring and they had a conference tournament. They had, you know, some teams, you know, only played four games, five games and what it was, but, um, you know, we had to uh, sit back and watch and, um, and while everybody else was playing, but for us, it was the right decision uh, for our university, you know, it was best for our athletes. <clears throat> None of my players were, you know, a lot more even in, even in the country, if, even if we wanted to play. So um, it was, it was best for us at that, at that time, but, just as everybody else, you know, we, we got through that. And then we, uh, we started preparing for uh, fall 20, fall 21. So, um, you know, and obviously that, that went well for us. We had, we had a good successful season. Talk about the, so I was going through the, I was going through the, the kind of the stats of the year and I was going back through a couple of years. So outside of your 2019 season, which you scored an incredible amount of goals, 90 some odd goals, the season, this 2021 season at 69 goals for the year, that that's the second highest number of goals you scored in, in over 10 years. Yeah. The programs. Yeah, it's, it's, it's the second most amount in this history of my program. Definitely. There you go. Yeah. yeah the last so, talk, years, so talk yeah. about that coming off of a year where you didn't really get to play and you're basically just out of the gate, just flat out, just really strong in the scoring department. Yeah, I mean, we, we were... We um, didn't return a ton of players from the 2019 team. Um, I think we had, I believe, nine that were on the roster. Two of those guys were red shirts in 19. So really only seven players that actually, you know, wore the uniform in 19. So we had a ton of new players in this year, uh, 18 freshmen, uh, a bunch a bunch of other sophomore transfers, that guys that, um, you know, the, the one positive that came out of this this COVID thing is that any of the JUCO guys, you know, didn't lose a year of eligibility, or even some of the four-year transfers didn't lose a year of eligibility. So they were to come, you know be able to come in as sophomores instead of juniors, really, but still having gone to college for two years. And so we had a good mix of freshmen, and even the freshmen that were taking classes in 2020 online, you know, 2021 fall they were. You know, they were academically sophomores, but, you know, on the, on the pitch, they were freshmen. So we had a big group of freshmen and we had a lot, a lot to work on. Um, we did re- return um, one of our All-Americans from two, 2019, Sean Genus, who played as a number 10 in 19. And, 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 and we moved him to play number nine this year. And he ended up scoring 21 goals in 21 games. He was the second leading scorer in the country uh, this year. Um, and, um, you know, first team, you know, first team All-American. He's our first two-time All-American here. Um, he's done really well for us. So we knew uh, he was coming back. Um, and then we just kind of didn't know where we were going to get some of the scoring from from the other guys. And if you look at our, our statistics, I think we had, I don't know, something like 18, 19 different guys score goals this year. So when you ask me, like, where the goals came from, they came from all, all around, to be honest. And um, that's, that's, I think that's a, a testament to the way we play and our, our style of game and um, our philosophy of, of, of attack and defending and, and, and how we want to do, how we want to create chances, really. So, uh, and that's how we get the, the high number of goals. You know, I think it just, yes, he led us with 21 goals, um, but um, Sean led us with 21 goals, but we had a ton of other guys score, score goals as well. So when you talk about your style of play and, and the way you want to attack and defend, in, and we'll, we'll do a little bit of a transition into you as a club coach. You're coaching our 2006 boys team, which has been historically one of our, one of our more highly performing teams in the club. Um, and it's a group that's been together for quite some time. They've had some players come and go, but they've, the, the core group has been together quite some time. 
with a coach would would is Dan, um, who you know you grew up with, but at the same time is a coach that's been in our club forever. His son's on the team. He coaches. He's coached the team for a long time as well. How does how did you translate what you do potentially at, at Wilmington or you individually as a style your style of play as a coach? How did you just try try to translate that into the youth side? Yeah, I think that when you have um, any any new team that you're taking over, if you're coming in, so you, you first want to evaluate what you have and see where your talent level is and kind of see where the pros and cons are. And I'm still getting to know the boys, to be honest. You know, we've been together. Obviously, they're coming out of their, their full um, high school seasons. Um, this team is a mix of freshmen and sophomores. I think we have one junior. Um, that's an 06. So um, I think initially, you know, you come in and try to evaluate what you have and then um, devise something that uh, is, is going to help them, you know, evolve as a team. You know, um, I think bringing someone like myself in is going <clears> to <throat> help these guys um, really. And, and no matter where I coach, and this is my philosophy, I think, you know, if you don't have a foundation, uh, of, uh, of basic skills and foundational fitness uh, and, and things like that. Um, you, get, you have to start there and, and evaluate at that level first and then see how you can adjust your training sessions to, to, to help this team grow, you know, and, and wherever it is. So my point to all this is I do very similar things that I do at the collegiate level with this group uh, at, at the club. Um, obviously, you got taper some, some things down. Um, Obviously, the pace isn't going to be the same, um, but but these kids will eventually be able to get to that point. You know, as we grow for the next you know two to three years, however long you know this team is together, before they decide whether they want to go to college or not, I'll help them. I'll prepare them for that. But as far as what I do differently, um, it, it's, it's not much different. You know, um, you know the, the the basic foundation of of how. Um, I coach a system or a philosophy is essentially the same, even for this team. And I'm doing some things that are new for this team. And I'm still trying to find out to see if they can, you know, uh, if their soccer IQ is where it needs to be to, to be able to understand what we're doing. Um, and, and I'm being pleasantly surprised, to be honest. Um, it's, it's been good. Uh, it's going to take time. It's not going to happen overnight, obviously. But little by little, this team will get better. And it has already in just in the six months I've been with them. So, um so, but the basic principles are all the same. Basic principles of, uh, of how we play are all the same. It's just obviously at the collegiate level, I can do some some more advanced things, right? Um, and some of the talent level is a little different, obviously, but it's still relevant to the to the level that you're playing at, right? So, um, but again, I think we, we keep the same pr- basic principles, and um, and we build from there. That's great, and I know that I, I've 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 talked to a couple of kids from that team. Um, and you know, I've asked them. I was like, "How's how's the transition?" Um, you know, because they've they've they've. I think with every team that's had a coach for a long time, you, there's a, there's a level of comfort that you get to, um, which at times can be helpful, but at times it be, it's harder to then find find a way to continue to raise that bar, right? Sure. So I um so I asked a couple of kids. I was like, "Hey, how's the transition with Coach Nick?" And uh, and and I, and I love the response because it's it's exactly what I expected to hear, and it was it's a lot faster. It's a lot faster. It's a lot harder, uh, which is great because all of a sudden, like, again, it doesn't take away with, with from what Dan has done with that group over the years, but it's basically just added another layer to it, and it's added a level of complexity which is needed, right? And it's and it's thrown a different challenge into everybody, right? Because I think it's a different challenge, you know, obviously for for you as a coach, just to to step into a youth side again, which isn't always good. It's it's added a new challenge for Dan to adjust to being an assistant coach, which I think. He genuinely probably enjoys more than anything else, uh, and it's. I like, take the goalkeepers. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. Uh, um, and then it, it adds, obviously adds another level to the to the players, right? You bring it in with somebody with a lot of experience that the coaches at the collegiate level, which for a lot of those players, that's that's their goal is to get to that. And one of the things that I and I know because we've we've had when when you were with us at the ASPI Boys College Night. Um, I asked my wife, I was like, Hey, how did Nick, how to go with Nick in the, in the parents' room? And he go, and her, her feedback was he was extremely honest and like upfront with things. And I think that's one of the things that I really enjoy whenever I get to talk to you is how just, again, it's pretty straightforward, right? 
So how have, have any of the kids asked you that yet? Like, how do you deal with that of like, well, you're a college coach, right? So automatically parents potentially, or the players go like, Oh, is he going to try to recruit my kid? Uh, or, uh, or is he going to be, can I ask him if I'm good enough to play college soccer? Right. Like, so how do you deal with the, how do you deal with that part of it? Yeah, I, th- I think um, so over the years, I've, I've been coaching club in general for the last, I don't know, it's been about 10, 11 years or so, whether it's, you know, been all the local clubs here. Um, last year, I was I, I was in New Jersey uh, for the first time in a long time. Um, and I've always done. Welcome back, because that's yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> I've always done um, either essentially kids that are in their junior years. And, and then and then into their senior years, right? So I usually take a team for about two years, take them as juniors in that. And this is the first time I actually have had freshmen and sophomores in a long time, you know? So that question hasn't really come up yet with this group. And, I, and I'm not sure if um, this group has really um, taken that seriously yet, really thought about playing at the next level. You know, um, some of them have, some of them definitely have. So to answer your question, I haven't had it from this group. But in my past experience, um, yes, um, there's there's been moments where, um, you know, I'll be able to been able to create a, a good rapport with the players, especially if it's the second year um, and they're into their senior years and players, you know, are saying, all right, you know, Coach Nick and I are, are you know, have a good relationship and, you know, uh, I would love to come play for him. And and over the course of the of, of the evolution of my college program at the at wilmington you know it's gotten way better it's gotten way more competitive um a lot less local players have, have been on my roster um and it's been difficult so that that is a difficult conversation for some i'm gonna i'll give you one example i have there's a a young man in my program at wilmington his name is victor molina who i coached at kirkwood a couple of years back and he's he was at that time a super small guy he's a, a, a local mexican-american kid um heart of a lion. Um, even at the club level, he was, you know, this is one of the smallest guys on the pitch. You, you get knocked down on the pitch, you get back up again. And throughout the course of the year, his senior year, he kept saying, you know, he would approach me every once in a while and very tentatively, obviously. And he said, coach, I, re- I would love to come to Wilmington. And, 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 you know, we've got some men in our, in our program, right? We've got some big boys and grown men. And, um, I said, Victor, I said, you know, it's, it's going to be difficult for you. Uh, I said, I love you as a, as a young man. I, I, I love you as a player and, and your heart. I said, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be very difficult. And, and so he would, he would go away and two months later, he'd come back and say it again. And I would say some of the similar things. And then we got to summertime and we're about, we're almost, season's almost done. It's a, it's probably like late June. And he's like, coach, I, I really want to come. I said, you know what, Victor, I'm going to give you a shot. I'm give you a shot. And in 2019, he was a freshman. He redshirted, um, but he was not the worst player for training, and he actually was able to hold his own, and he continues to do that and continues to develop and, and does well. So that's a prime example of someone who's being, who, who was very, um, you know, uh, that never give up kind of attitude, which I love, by the way. Um, you know, and he's offering some, and he's got a heart, heart of a lion. I mean, he gets, still gets knocked down here and always gets up, has never missed a session um, ever. And, you know, does everything he's asked for. That's, that's the kind of player that every, any college coach is looking for. Whether you're the highest talented kid or the lowest talented, it doesn't matter. You're looking for someone who's fully bought in, who wants to be there, who will do anything to just to put the uniform on. And there's a, there's a value to that. Can I have 40 guys like that? No, obviously. You know, I'd love to have the attitude of 40, you know, that kind of attitude of 40 guys. But unfortunately, that's not the reality, you know. But so to answer your question, um, that was that's one example of a kid, a local kid who was uh, had that never give up attitude. And and to be honest, to this day, he's now one of our upperclassmen and one of our leaders. And he's done a great job. Um, does he come in here and start and play a lot? Still not yet, but he's still developing and working hard and and getting better. And he's and we love having him in the program. So can we do that with everybody? No. But um, there, there's definitely one example of somebody local who kind of kind of won over me, you know, and, um, and, and proved, proved me wrong, to be honest. And that's okay. Uh, you don't have to be right every time, you know, <laughs> he persevered and he continues to persevere. Yeah, well, I think, mind. well, I think there's a couple of things there, right? So one is the idea of being able to advocate for yourself, 
right? Sure. You, you know, there's at times I think we we put a lot of pressure on kids, and and at times we also then handhold a little too much, um, and we don't we don't encourage players to self advocate, right? Going up to coaches and going like, hey, this is what I would like. Where am I? Where do you see myself? Where do you where do you see me? Or just flat out like like this player, like, hey, I really want to play for you. Like whatever it takes, I really want to do it. And I think the other part of it, and and this is a common theme, I think, across the board for for the college coaches that we've had in the podcast before, it's the idea of character, right? Like ultimately you want people of good character, you want people that want to work hard. And um Mike Barracara from from UD, he talked about this idea of of wanting to play at the university of Delaware or wanting to play at Wilmington. Right. So like having a sense of pride, even before you like, like I almost want the player that wants to play for me, even if he's not potentially going to maybe make the impact right away, because I know that he'll give me exactly what I'm looking for. Right. And everybody's got to play a role, right? Everyone has to play a role. You can't have 40 starters. (laughs) It becomes really difficult to do. Right. It's a lot of egos to manage. It's a lot of like, things to manage. So obviously there's going to be somebody that's going to be a starter and someone's going to be off the bench and someone that's just not going to play a whole lot. Right. But you need that many people at training. So that way your training environment can be, so everyone has to solve a role, serve a role. And I think you're, you're creating an environment where, where, where people just want to be a part of that. Right. Whatever the role is, I want to be a part of it. Right. Um, what can we look forward to in this, this spring? And then going into next fall. Um, so this spring is really about the boys are training right now. We do we have what we call our winter training, where the NCAA allows us a certain amount of hours to be with the team of skill training, and then there's a certain amount of hours of conditioning, you know, weight room, and uh, we have a strength conditioning coach as well um, that our, our guys work with. And it's really about because there's no games, and no one is trying to fight to be a starter. It really is about the training and and getting better. We, we always see a, a tremendous amount of growth during this time. We actually, when we come out of this eight-week winter session going into our, our spring season, our guys are more fit than they are in the fall. And, you know, in the fall, unfortunately, the NCAA gives, you know, D3 and D2 two weeks of, of preparation, and it's really not enough. But um, the way we do it now, um, where it's one session a day, and it's not, it's only four days a week, but um, after eight weeks, they're tremendously fit and they're, and they really can really focus on improving their skill sets and improving their, their, their training habits and everything like that going into our spring season. And then once we start in our official spring season, we're back on, back at, uh, on our home pitch training, you know, uh, four or five days a week and, and then playing one game on the weekends. It's about a five, five week long, um, window that we have for spring season um, and spring season really is an opportunity for some of the guys to get a chance to play in the fall or play, have a lot of time in the fall to get their opportunity to see to show us as coaches you know that they've improved on some of the things we've we've talked to them about improving and to see if they've worked on it and then they can show it show it to us in, in the games in the spring you know, we play all different kinds of competition in the spring um we, we just booked our our annual uh, game with ud which is great we we're able to keep it now uh, even with the new coach and um uh, which is great um we always enjoy playing them in, in the spring and sometimes in preseason we, we were able to play in this this preseason as well which was which was nice for us uh you know, for, for our program so um really spring is about you know continuing to develop and then leaving you know you kind of leave your last impression on the coaches as play, as a player before summer break comes in and then really before all the new players come in, come in in August, you know, the advantage for all these guys here are that they're here and, um, and they're returning next year and everybody is competing all the time. Um, our, our, our training sessions are full of competition, full of competition. You know, we have, we have legitimate two to three players per position. And like you said earlier, you know, there's guys that have to have another roles. Um, and there's, there's guys that are used to playing that, you know, sometimes have difficulty getting into full field scrimmages at training. Now, I can't get them in when 22 can get in into a full field, you know, friendly scrimmage at the end of training, the last half an hour, last 40 minutes of training, whatever it is, 
you know, I, I have trouble getting guys in, into that just because the competition is so high as well. So um, we're fortunate to have those kinds of numbers, which is great. You know? um, so, you know, springtime coming in here is gives those guys an opportunity to really show, you know, that um, they need to be or they want to be part of the plan for, you know, fall 22, really. It's really what it's about for them. Awesome. Sorry, I thought so Nick. No, sorry. So, Nick, um, who are your three favorite soccer players of all time? All time? All time. So, maybe not not currently playing. So, anytime. anytime. Okay. So, anytime. Growing up, my first first World Cup that I really, really watched was the 86 World Cup um, in in Mexico City. And that was Maradona's breakout breakout tournament. And that's, you know, the Hand of God game and all that. I watched all that. Had them all you know, taped on VHSs. And uh, so Diego Maradona, for me, uh, growing up was, you know, the, the the one guy we were able to look up to. You know, back in that time in the 80s, soccer on TV was not as um, prevalent as it is now. You know, we're, we're very lucky to have what NBC does on the weekends for us and, and all, all the other streaming channels and things like that. But it was very difficult to watch, to get games on a regular basis unless you had a satellite disc back then. So... Um, Diego Maradona is probably my, uh, you know, all time favorite player. Um, and obviously you're seeing a lot of the documentaries that have come out recently about his life and, and you get to see how, you know, how crazy he was. Um, um, and then I, I got to keep it to Argentina. Obviously we're lucky to, I, I believe we're, we're very fortunate to live in, a, in an era where we get to see Lionel Messi play and, um, and, and what he can do. So yeah, I see Argentine. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Without a doubt. I mean, you have to, you have to give it up. But to be honest, at, I always say this: there would be no LeBron without Michael, right? Without yeah. Jordan, and there would have been, there would be no, there wouldn't have been a Messi without Maradona. For sure. So, um, and I'm, I'm, I'm sure I'm not the first person to say that, but um, I, I, I we'll put that always, down the quote. It's always the evolution of it, right? So, LeBron, you know, you don't hear a ton of off the off the court issues, right? Um, with anything with LeBron, he's really learned to be that professional and be that uh, mentor for for people. Whereas Michael had had some things off off the court, right? Same thing with Maradona. Obviously, like I said earlier, in some of the documentaries you see, he he definitely had a fun time, you know, in his career. And you don't hear a lot of that with Messi. You know, I think Messi learned from that and said, maybe I shouldn't do that kind of stuff and just keep my my brand and my name to what it is, right? So um, I would definitely say Messi. Uh, I, I I think he, he you know he he did a ton. Um, I, and my third is you know I always said um, Ronaldinho really changed the game in a lot of ways offensively um, during his um, the peak of his career. You know he he did some things on the ball that nobody was doing. He really was able at the at, you know his the window at the time when he was the top player in the world, he did some really, really amazing things. As you can tell, I was an offensive player, so I have no defensive players <laughs> in, my, in my top three. Well, we um, can see that. You're scoring goals, 69 goals a year. Man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm definitely an offensive. Uh, I appreciate the offensive offensive, offensive part of the game. So, um, But obviously, as a coach, I do, real, I do understand the importance of defending. So, uh, and, and, Do you have and, a defensive coordinator? I do. That, you do? There you go. Yeah, I have position coaches here, uh, and not many, not many college coaches uh, have that. Um, but I have, I have um, a strikers coach, um, a player that uh, played for me. His name's Anthony Allison. Um, he was uh, arguably the best, one of the best players ever played in my program. He went on to play um, six years professional in Sweden, where he was golden boot, golden boot winner three of those six years, and he's come back ever since. In the last three, I think it's his fourth year coaching now. Um, he's worked with all our strikers. And in fact, in 2019, we had the National Player of the Year. His name was Lauren Bickley. And um, Coach Allison worked with him from his freshman year all the way to his senior year and, and really helped him develop and become National Player of the Year. He led the, led, this, led the country in scoring that year with 26 goals. Prior to that, the most goals he ever scored was 12. And, wow. And wow. Got to his senior year. And then, and then uh, he graduated in three and a half years and, and signed a professional contract in England. Um, after that. So, um, so he works with our, um, offensive players. Um, our defensive players are, um, work, uh, our defensive coach 
is a young man named uh, Mario Yepes who played for me as well. He's from Venezuela. Um, so you guys know. Remember him? Know, yeah. You know, yeah. He's done a great job with our backs. Uh, we have a goalkeeper coach. His name's Kelly Diaz, um, who um, is new to the program this year. He played at uh, Holy Family University and, and it lives locally here in Delaware as well. And then the biggest change to our program in the last three years uh, is a, a gentleman named uh, Dallas Cunningham, who has really taken, who's come in. Um, he's He was born in Jamaica, but grew up in Connecticut, uh, played in Connecticut and played, um, went on to play professional in, in South America, in, in Colombia, and then also in Denmark. Um, he's like a year younger than me, so we're, we're around the same age. And I consider him our, our technical director as well. A lot of our philosophy and our style of play is um, is because of what he's brought in, in the last three years. And that's, that's really why you see a, a big change in uh, a big jump in our program in our in the last three years since 2018. Uh, he comes in. So he also works with our midfielders as well, um, specifically. But he's done a tremendous, tremendous job in coming in and um, being a, a big influence into the program uh, here. So and then we have also have a strength conditioning coach as well, Tony DiVirgilio, who also played for me. He was all region player here. Um, he's done a great job the last 10 years. He's He has his own business as well, but has stayed on staff and works with all our players. As I said earlier, you know, fitness is the foundation for any, any good program. You know, we high press, you know, somewhere between 85 to 90% of the time in the game. So you have to be fit. So uh, that's a big part of what we do. So everybody has their responsibilities, and obviously I, I oversee everything and um, help create the training sessions. But our, our coaches are on the pitch with the players in, in boots and and working with them on a daily basis. Um, you know, there's obviously times where we split up into our positions for you know the first half an hour of training. The strikers are working on their things, and backs are working on their things, and, and midfielders same thing. The goalkeepers are you, you know in front of the goal somewhere. So. Um, you know, all these guys do, do a great job. I'm very fortunate to have a great staff. Um, this is currently the last two years here, specifically, specifically this last year, been my, my best staff I've ever had. So it's very, it's very um, uh, easy to do what we do if, if you have good people around you, obviously. So that's awesome. I got, I got two questions left. Um, yep. One, uh, who is the Ronaldinho of your team? Because there's always there's always at least one guy that's 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 doing the flashy stuff who's 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 trying to meg coach at practice who's who's doing different things. That's a good question. Um, we we have a lot of talented players. Um, we don't really rely. And I know we had one score, but we don't really rely on one guy. Um, and one guy, you know, everybody, everybody. You said 18, 19 players. guys scored a goal this year. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You know, even our center back had seven goals. You know, he was defensive player of the year. And the, our center back in 2019 had nine goals. And he Gerard PK back there. Yeah. So <laughs> we, we um, And that comes from our set pieces, obviously. And we take our set pieces really, 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 you know, uh, seriously, obviously. But uh, we don't really have a guy. I mean, everybody is really skilled. Everybody is. And it's, it's no one's like super flashy like that. Um, okay. I don't have any Brazilians on the team. So <laughs> not this year. Uh, those uh, are usually in the past have been the flashy guys. Yeah. To be honest, so. All right. And then the last question, uh, you are probably one of the few people because as, as long as I've known Dan, um, Dan doesn't talk about how he played. Uh, doesn't really talk about, I don't think I've ever seen him actually outside of training goalkeepers. I've never actually seen him in the goal. I've, I've only seen him play on the field. Uh, so you're one of the few people that have actually, and, and Chad doesn't talk. So uh, you're one of the few people that's actually played with Dan and seen Dan play. What was Dan like as a player? So, so Dan joined our team. Dan's two two years younger than, than myself. So he actually was. It's kind of a, a rarity, even at that at that time back in the in the eighties and nineties when I played club soccer. Um, Dan was two years younger, and in our age group, we really didn't have a dominant goalkeeper. Our, our team was very, very good, very good. Uh, my club team growing up, I mean, we had something like seven guys go to final fours in college, you know, wow. uh, from different levels. Um, there's one, two, and three. And uh, we were loaded. We were loaded. What we didn't have was a, 
an outstanding goalkeeper in our age group. It just wasn't, you know, we had decent goalkeepers. We were, no one was outstanding. And um, there was a point where uh, we had uh, a, a, a young man named John, uh, Johnny Morgan. Who you guys may know. He's yeah, we know John Morgan. Yeah. Tennessee. So guys, okay. He, he was at Maryland and now at Tennessee. So John yeah. Morgan uh, joined our team. And then a year later, uh, he brought Danny with him because they were both, they both were at Dover together. Um, so oh. Danny, Danny was much younger uh, than us. So to answer your question, you know, he was, so p- think about club soccer. When you're two years younger, you're, you're not, you're not going to say much. Right. Um, so he was, he was pretty quiet, but worked his butt off and he was really good, really good for us. And, um, um, I got to say, you know, I, I, I know you guys are clowning him a lot, but, uh, he, um, he definitely deserved to be on, on the team, on our team. We were, we were loaded with talent and all he had to do is, just do his job. And he, he didn't, uh, you know, we didn't give up a ton of shots. And, uh, but, but when we did, he really took care of business and, uh, um, and he was very, very talented, very talented. I mean, we were, when I say we were loaded, we were loaded with talent and, um, and he belonged, he belonged in, in that, you know, he it probably was when we all graduated high school and went to college, he probably felt like, you know, God, what do I do now? You know, he, he played on a really good team, you know? So, uh, but he was good. Very good. Very good. Um, you know, very, very matter of fact, as he is now, you know, yeah. he has his personality, same way. Um, uh, good, uh, great, um, 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 you know, uh, likes to laugh with the boys and, you know, j- jokes around with everybody. And it was, it was always like that. So, um, it'll find some of these VHS tapes. They're archived somewhere in somebody's basement. Yeah. Someone's got to have footage of Dan we, playing. Cause we've got them. We've got them. I'll, I'll set some up with you. No problem. Oh, We've got them. Perfect. Yes. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm and Nick's scoring goals, man. We got to, we might have a throwback like tape of the coaches. We're going to do a top 10, top 10 of the coaches plan. Top go. 10 goals of the coaches, Chris. Top 10 of Chad, Chad going in like studs for somebody's knee. Because uh, we knew, we know Chad didn't score goals. Yeah. No, Chad, Chad was on the, on that center back life, not scoring goals though. Uh, for the yeah, way he so. talks. Um, no, that's awesome. That's awesome. That's great to hear because I think those are the things that sometimes um, keeps I it like, realistic for the players. Right? Well, I think we so, right? Play. Well, I think so. Like Dan, Dan for us is like he is. Dan is by far one of the people that I. Th- there is nothing. There is. N- I can have a really, really terrible day, and I'll see Dan, and I'll automatically like I'll have a smile on my face because I, I just want to be around him. I've only gotten to coach with Dan for like one winter season with the team and then like a handful of games here and there. And then obviously with the diamonds this past year, but, and that's like on the bucket list of being able to coach like a full year with Dan. Cause I think that'd be awesome to do. Um, I think we would drive each other insane, but I think that'd be the fun. That'd be the fun part of it too. Um, so, but it's really cool to hear because sometimes, especially for, for players that, that have known Dan for a long time to be able to hear a little bit of how he was as a player. Um, I think it's always, you know, I think it could go one or two ways. You either continue to be the same way you were as a player, or you're just kind of, kind of the complete opposite. Like for me, I'm the complete opposite as I was as a player. I was a terrible person to be around when I was a player. Nobody wanted to be, nobody wanted to hang out with me. I was, I was not biggest work ethic was not work ethic was not like my biggest characteristic when I was a player. Um, so it's it's really interesting to sometimes hear those stories um, and 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 look back and see how. So thank you for sharing that because that, that's really cool. Yeah. yeah, and we always and we love Dan. Dan is like I said, he's one of the, my favorite people in the entire world. Yeah, no, so. no doubt. I mean, the, the, the you know, Delaware over the years has had a you know, obviously goes through changes all the time with club soccer. You know, my biggest pet peeve with club soccer, but. Um, we've had some really good teams over the years, all you know, throughout the years uh, of uh, Delaware soccer. We had some, we've had some good players go on and play high-level college soccer, and as well as professional ranks. You know, so um, you know, a lot of, in a lot of ways, this generation doesn't know of what came before. You know, there's been some really good players that have come through this, uh, through the state, and there's not really a place for them to even know that these players have existed. You know. And that are some, some some of them are still around, you know, and just kind of coaching their kids. That's it, you know. But they were really good, really good players coming, you know, uh, coming through the ranks here. So club soccer ops was way different back then. But I was definitely fortunate enough to be able to play under Nick on a pretty good guest play on a 
pretty high level team, which is awesome. With some guys, like you said, went all three divisions, some guys that went to UD, some guys that went to some other big D ones. So that was pretty cool as well. Yeah. Yeah. There's there there's been there's been really good players coming through here. And like I said, there's you don't really know, you know, uh, you know, with that there's not really a place to find to find who these who these players are and where they went and uh, and how. I mean, really, if you could think about think about if we had like a database of of where players went to college, you know, and and a young a young kid in our club is looking to go to that school and realizes we there's another kid from Delaware that went there, even if it was ten years ago, they could reach out to them and say, what was it like? You know, is this a good place to go? Is this a is this a you know is this coach? I and mean, obviously the coach may be different, but what was the school like? You know, did you? you know, I mean, it would be great, you know, but there's no place to, you know, that doesn't really exist, right? That would be difficult to do. We ran into somebody in Kansas City that, what was it, Iowa? Yeah, a kid, a kid, um, you saw the Delaware part of our podcast and um, he goes to a school in Northern Iowa that played for Dan Simmons in high school. Wow. Very, very interesting. They just saw the Delaware. They said, hey, we know a kid from Delaware. They're like, who is he? What is, like, what high school? They're like, Polytech. We're just like. So of all great. the schools in the entire state, of course. Yeah, well, college, like not right? not Sally's, not St. Mark's, not Apo, Polytech, no, like Polytech. It's it's, it's, it's interesting, but yeah, well, maybe that's what we'll do. Maybe uh, we'll we'll start basically a. It'd be cool this, to have a podcast we'll just, episode. Yeah, we'll like, just start interviewing people. We'll just start interviewing people that the. We'll try to do a little bit of um a recap of the Delaware soccer history. Just go to top teams of you know, a year or something like that, like yeah. birth year. There you go. All right. Been some good ones. Yeah, definitely been some good ones, without a doubt. All right, Nick, let's let's get a list together. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's get a list together. Listen, we'll we've already we've list. had we've had Anthony Dirienzo, we've had Lance Berry on the podcast before. Like so we we're starting to slowly we're starting to slowly get people on good. that that, that played good. a part in, in the history of Delaware. And then you know Lance obviously played for you at, at Wilmington. Yeah, yeah. I mean, listen, Lance, Lance's dad was a player. Lance's uncle was a yeah. tremendous player, right. right? One of the best ever to, to come out of Delaware, you know, or to ever play here. Without a doubt, there's a, there's a big tradition uh, going back to 70s and 80s, even, even that far back. I'm sure Lou could attest to some of them as well. Oh, yeah. yeah you know, Chad, if we could ever get Chad on here, you know, he coached all these state final teams and national championship teams. Yeah. We're gonna, have, we're gonna have to trick. We're gonna have to trick chat chat into being on the podcast. <laughs> just had to go in there with a recording device, yeah. Because yeah. you know, he was getting recruited by Kirkwood one year, and then Hookesson was recruiting him the next year, and and CDSA was recruiting him, and he was just coaching the best of the best all the time. Yeah. All right, Nick. Uh, well, thanks so much for being on. Uh, best of luck this spring into the into next fall, and uh, we'll have you back on to give us an update on how the 06 boys are doing. Without a doubt. No problem. Thanks, fellas. I pre- really appreciate you having me on. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Uh, we're back. Um, Dwayne, have you been keeping up with the AFCON? I know. I've not. I think it's a morning thing, and I'm not a morning person. So it's 11 o'clock in the morning. Not a morning person. <laughs> all right. So all the, the round of 16s are done. Uh, we're on to the quarterfinals now, that which start tomorrow. Um, so really interesting. Some some bad stuff happened. Um Cameroon was playing Comoros uh, on Monday. Uh, unfortunate accident happened. Players got or people got like trembled over on uh, like a mob. Uh, unfortunately, some people passed away. Some people were injured. Um, so our thoughts go out to those families and those people. But, you know, it's it's sad when, when stuff like this happens, um, especially when it's a stadium that was used in the 2010 World Cup. It's a, it's a stadium that's still fairly new. Um, and it's still not even at full capacity. It was at eighty percent capacity. Yeah. Um. So. Yeah, and I just think I just think from an organizational <laughs> standpoint, just things got to get a little bit better. Yeah, I mean, I think I think uh, it varies again from country to country, league to league. Um, because like the Premier League for the past what thirty years has been sitting only, can only sit, no standing room. Yeah. And a couple of weeks ago, they after the Hillsborough disaster but a couple of weeks ago, they finally went back to trying out some areas of the stadium being standing room just to kind of see if they could phase that back in. So I think it just really depends on, again, the infrastructure, security, 
and then just you know i guess the overall organization of how you want to do things and how you can kind of run these events yeah um so yeah so hopefully things will things will start looking up soon um but anyways from a results standpoint uh interesting out of the eight games five of them had red cards yeah, I'm looking uh, at that now. Yeah, crazy. five of them had red cards. Only one game ended up with a with a two goal difference. Everything else ended up either in PKs or one goal difference. Um, so going into the quarterfinals, uh, Gambia is going to be playing Cameroon. Uh, Gambia beat Guinea, and Cameroon obviously beat Comoros, as we were just talking about. Ten versus ten, Gambia and Guinea. Yeah, uh, Burkina Faso making it to the quarterfinals uh, after beating Gabon. Tunisia knocking out one of the favorites in Nigeria. Um, and then Egypt, uh, which was, I watched that entire game playing Ivory Coast. It was a fun game. Um, Egypt, uh, the the Egyptian goalkeeper, the starting goalkeeper got hurt with a minute left in regulation. Comes off, backup goalkeeper comes in, plays the extra time, and saves a crucial PK. Um, so Egypt's going to be playing Morocco. So that'll be really fun. And then uh, Senegal playing equatorial guinea uh senegal beating cape verde um and then equatorial guinea beating mali yesterday in pks or on wednesday in pks yeah shout out to the uh comoros <laughs> backup goalkeeper who's uh their left back that's right yeah comoros had to play had to play with yeah they had injuries and also covid stuff and so it was crazy so you i'm hoping you see the picture of the guy because he's a left back, right? So he's defending with his hands behind his back as the goalkeeper. Yeah. So instead of using his hands, he's yeah. like his instinct says, "Put my hands by my back, no handballs." Yeah. Still made the save. I'm I'm hoping that this isn't like a foreshadowing for uh, for kind of what the World Cup's going to look like at the end of the year. I'm hoping that either that or just FIFA increases the roster sizes. We'll see. It's gonna be tricky for sure. I think um, I think you gotta. I think you have to uh, use your, be thoughtful and think outside the box, kind of like the NFL teams were quarantining, not quarantining, but keeping like that third string quarterback oh. in, in a separate area. So maybe your third string quarter or your third string keeper doesn't stay in a team hotel, does a lot of things separately, just just in case, right? Yeah. So I would say arguably that's your quarterback. I think every other player can be replace your formation yeah. can be tweaked but i think the goalkeeper is critical and i think you got to think outside the box yeah for sure um all right so let's go through world cup qualifiers uh we'll we won't touch much on the on the asian world cup qualifiers today but we will shout out to iran for uh qualifying oh yeah iran qualified yeah they, they were i don't know what team they are to qualify but i think they just qualified for their third straight world cup nice um, all right, so I watched Ecuador Brazil. I was texting you throughout the game. First 25 minutes was absolutely insane. So Brazil goes up one nothing. Casemiro scores. Um, then uh, Ecuador goalkeeper gets thrown out. Uh, 15 minutes into the game for going in. I saw you. I sent you the picture of it. Cleat first outside the box into this guy's throat. Um. Then five minutes later, Brazilian player, uh, you know, Emerson gets thrown out. Um, and then Allison almost gets thrown out, but VAR comes back and reverses it. Doesn't throw him out. Second half, Ecuador ties the game. They have a PK in their favor. VAR calls it back. And then with a minute left to go, uh, another PK gets called. Allison gets a second yellow, gets thrown out. VAR reviews Again. it. <laughs> Again. Uh, and uh, doesn't give him the yellow card, doesn't give him the PK, and the game ends up one-one. So, gotta have a love, gotta have a love-hate relationship with VAR. It's crazy. It was it was absolutely insane. So this puts Ecuador still in third place, uh, almost, but you know, clear almost to that, almost to that potential uh, qualifying spot. Uruguay beating Paraguay one nothing. Uh, Luis Suarez scoring there. That's a huge result for Uruguay. They needed that. They jump up to uh, fourth place with 19 points. And then uh, Argentina beating Chile in Chile uh, in a tough game because that was one of Chile's like last little uh, pushes that they had uh, needed to make. Argentina already qualified, but, but coming up with a really good result. Uh, Di Maria scoring a beautiful goal nine minutes into the game. 
So it'll be interesting because now the rest of the games today, Colombia plays Peru, Bolivia plays Venezuela, and then next week it'll be really interesting with what happens on on Tuesday. Uh, everybody plays the same on, on the same day. So um, interesting. All right, let's talk about the U.S. I got lucky. Uh, no, I wouldn't say they got lucky, but they uh, took control of the game. They won one nothing goal by Anthony Robinson, but they uh, controlled the majority of the game, um, played on the front foot for most of the game, which, again, El Salvador has only scored, I think, four goals during qualifying. But just couldn't find the back of the net. It created a lot of good opportunities, but I still think that final third is where we're really struggling. Like, how do we... We've got a ton of talent, got a ton of attacking talent, can throw a lot of numbers forward, but how do we score more there. goals? Yeah. Like, I don't know that Pulisic is – maybe he's he's the nine. I, I think that we got to try that all out. I, all I know is – and I was going back and forth because I was watching the Argentina game and the U.S. game kind of at the same time. My only thought in the few times that I got to watch Pulisic on the ball or off the ball, the only thing that's that became very odd to me, and I don't know if this is this is a running a running theme or not, but he just became very like like you he, he was almost like annoying to watch. Like he, I, I kind of felt like that. Like he high, used to be an exciting player, to but he's watch. like, but he's like irritable. Like he just like gets irritated easily. Like he's like throwing his arms. Like he's arguing. He's like getting into like. He was arguing with a the- bunch, and I'm just like, that's not what you do at Chelsea. Like, but it's because it's a higher level of quality there instead of Concacaf, and I get that, right? I I get it. I don't know. I just don't want to. I don't think potentially the best player that the U.S. has needs to be He's needs to turn into a diva at the. Yeah, it doesn't need to turn into a diva at the. Uh, you know, in the in the tough moments. He's not the best player that we have. I think well, Weston McKinney has kind of sealed that deal. Yeah, but I mean. Let's just say the attacking presence that he needs to be right. Mm-hmm. He's the one that can be a game changer at times. Um, I think we play him as a forward because of that. Because I think that frees up. I think that kind of frees up. Like, where does a Brendan Aronson fit in on the team? Where does some well, of these other attacking? I mean, based on yesterday, fits in for him. Yeah, forwards. and I think. But what do we for, for Pulisic? Sorry, but we've always we've always lacked that number nine. We've talked about that for over a year. Yeah. Has it been, you know, Josh Sargent? Is it Nicholas Giacchini? Is it Giacchi Zardes? Is it Jordan Morris? Is it Josie Altador? Who is it? Well, you know, this time it was way on Ferreira. Yeah, or is it like Ricardo Pepe? I, I like Tim, Tim Weah played well, but I think Christian Pulisic. I think we set him up there and say maybe what he does for the U.S. national team is he just scores goals. That's not his role at Chelsea. But he's involved in the attack enough at Chelsea against yeah. higher quality opponents that maybe all he has to do here is score goals because everybody else will do the dirty work for him. Yeah, maybe. Um, but so Canada Canada won uh, yesterday behind Honduras 2 nothing. Mexico turned the game around after being down one nothing to a 10-man game, Jamaica uh, winning. Uh, so right now, everything still looks somewhat the same. Mexico, three points clear off of Panama, which I think helps them. U.S. Uh, and Canada within one point of each other, so it'll be an interesting. It'll be interesting going into the next set of matches as the U.S. plays Canada, right? I mean, that's a direct. There's your direct rival trying to pretty much almost guarantee yourself a spot after that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, everybody's chasing Canada, I and mean, I don't know the last time we've ever said that. Yeah, <laughs> looking but you at beat, World but Cup, you beat Canada. You beat Canada next week. You jump up 21 points. Now you're now you're now you're almost clear. You're almost in the clear with what six with four games left to play after that. Yeah, I, I just don't remember the last time it's always ever been heavy chasing Canada. Like it's always been like a Costa Rica. I think last last cycle like, Jamaica was in there. Yeah. So Canada man just scoring goals. They got they got forwards. They're figuring out ways to fall on the back of the net. Yeah, that's right. They do. Um. All right. Uh, moving on to. Player of the match, right? Player of the match. Player of the match. Who's your player of the match? My player of the match is going to coach Greg Berhalter, man. See those Jordans he had on last night? Told you we should have went to Jordan <laughs> Brad. You see those Jordan 4s he had on last night? This is tough. <laughs> um, so he's my player of the match. He's down. Now, in all honesty, though, my player of the match, every time I get to watch him play, I almost bought a jersey last night. 
uh, Weston McKinney by yeah. far. Just best player we have right now. He does a lot of work box to box. Uh, always seems to just have that engine moving forward, creating opportunities. And then as soon as there's a scrap on the field or there's a fat, bad foul, he's right there riding for his teammates. So Weston McKinney by far. Yeah. Uh, my player of the match uh, goes to Di Maria. Uh, you put on the captain uh, captain's arm arm brand yesterday for Argentina. Um, I thought they did that really well. So my mine goes out to him. So scored also a really nice goal. So that helps. Oh, and before we move on, one of our American players is making a move across the pond. Who? Matt Turner going to Arsenal. Oh, okay. All right, good for him. And that deal is in the works right now. So yeah, before we move on, yeah, Matt Turner deal is in the works. Going to Arsenal. And we have a player coming back from across the pond. DeAndre Yedlin mutually agreed to terminate his deal with Galatasaray. Rumored to be going to uh, enter Miami. Ooh, interesting move. Probably Hmm. for like a Danny Alves type deal, not making any money. (laughs) Interesting. Yeah, it's an interesting move. Yeah, yeah, Miami. So, yeah, that's why he didn't. Well, he didn't play yesterday. Got caught up in Istanbul with some snowy weather and then probably packing up all his stuff because he ain't going back. There you go. Um, all right. On this day in soccer history, January 28th, 2000. No, sorry, 1961. Um, all right. Does the name Dennis Law ring a bell to you? Absolutely not. It wasn't a parent tournament around in 1861. No. All right. Well, in 1961, uh, Dennis Law scored. On January 28th, Dennis Law scored six goals for Manchester City in an FA Cup tie against London Town. He scored six goals, right? Problem was that um, the game uh, was abandoned after 69 minutes because of a waterlogged pitch um, while when City was winning 6-2. to two. So it was a replay game was one of those replay games. Mm-hmm. So City's winning 62. Um, after 69 minutes, the game's abandoned. Can't play anymore. So instead of playing the the remaining uh, 21 minutes, uh, they ended up restarting the entire game in February 1st. Uh, at that point, Lundtown won- wins 3-1. Uh, so oh, this guy didn't even show back up. Uh, he still showed up. She's only scored one goal, though. But the interesting thing is that uh, this would have been really, really cool because had he scored the six goals, it would have pushed him over the top. So the six goals are basically erased from the world, from the record books. Had he scored the six goals, he would have landed himself as the leading goal scorer in FA Cup in one season. Uh, or sorry, or leading goal scorer in FA Cup history. In general, in the 20th century, because uh, he would have ended up with 47 goals. Instead, uh, Ian Rush um, ended up with 44 cup goals, scored 39 at Liverpool, four at Chester, and one at Newcastle. So, Dennis Law finished with officially 41 official FA Cup goals, uh, 34 at Manchester United, four at Manchester City, and three at Huddersfield Town. So, yeah, poor Dennis Law should have gotten that turf, man. Should have gotten that turf. They didn't have turf back then. Um, all right, fair play of the week. My fair play of the week goes out to my wife uh, for holding things down in my house while we were while we were gone and just doing an amazing job with our kids. What about you? My fair play of the week is going to go out to Sebastian. Um, just Me? For, what did I do? Yeah. No, man, for Podcast Row, setting all that stuff up on the back end, uh, bringing the microphone equipment, packing all that stuff up, setting up the uh, little applause thing. and the, the <laughs> That was you. That was all you. I know. I'm about to look up how to get that on my computer. There you go. There you go. Give yourself an applause, Sebastian. There you go. Oh, wait. There you go. There you go. There you go. That button. I need one of those. That button is cool. <laughs> you wouldn't right. even hear the podcast anymore. It would just be a pause in that little. It was just a pause uh, the entire time. The whole game show. No, I appreciate it. Let it be. <laughs> it was. It was good. It was really fun. It was a good time. Um, hoping to do it next year. So it'll be yeah. fun. All right. 
Well, can we get a letter B before we close out? Uh, yes. <laughs> oh man. All right. Well, thanks for joining us this week. And remember, always receive the ball on your front foot.